You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Captivate and on Patreon. You can get bonus content of our show on either of those platforms or on Apple Podcasts with a private subscription to the Amazal Ministries Podcast Network. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 in the Christian Standard Bible read, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. In this section of scripture, St. Paul writes to the church of Colossus, uh, addressing serious errors amongst them. Here he tells the church how they ought to behave and lists the perfect bond of unity as a goal for these behaviors to help achieve. Uh, Rather than thinking of unity as a goal, many modern Christians think of unity as a means to make God happy. Uh, J. Kim, do you believe it's important for the church to treat unity as a goal rather than a means to an end? Um... Yeah. I mean, in some ways, I would say it is a means to a particular end when Jesus uh, prays in John 17 that his followers would be one just as he and God the Father are one. There is an end, which is, you know, so that the world may know that God loves them. God loves us. So in some ways, uh, unity is a means to a particular end. But what's interesting is the end is more unity that those who do not yet know the love of god might know the love of god and that we we might all become one people you know god's family so uh Mm. unity is a means to an end and that end is unity so it's kind of circular i think man man, that's good stuff hey everybody welcome to the whole church podcast possibly your favorite church unity podcast and you're thinking whoa wait that's the regular music. That's right. We're back with a regular whole church episode. TJ did not have to read a long paragraph from Exodus, and he is praising the Lord for it. Um, you know, we, we love that verse, but I, I do understand why he got tired of it. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, we are excited. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our ecumenical aesthetic series. We are now moving on to more regular podcast episodes, and today is an exciting one. We're going to be interviewing a pastor from the Silicon Valley area. He is the author of, um, I think, a couple different books. But the one we're going to mostly be talking about today is, and let's see if I can get the name right here. I know it's a 40-day study on Colossus, but I have the former name down here somewhere. Mm, there it is. Colossians. <laughs> Bible study guide plus streaming video, one Jesus, one people. I think it's just Colossians Bible study guide, one Jesus, one people, right? And just Amazon has it listed with the other stuff in there. Um, Probably. Yeah, I'm not I sure. I'm a copy and paste. I'll be honest with everybody. <laughs> hey, guys, I am excited for this episode. Excited to be talking to a, a minister we haven't got to meet yet to get to know you a little bit better, Pastor Jay. Um, we're just going to call him Jay for the episode. He gave us permission. It's okay. Um, and I'm excited to learn more about Colossians and what it has to say about uh, church unity and more. So that'll be a fun one. I'm excited for this. And of course, I'm not just here alone. I'm here with the reason for the season, the reason for the show, 
people show up to hear the world's greatest podcast host. The one, the only, host with the most. The host who's so good, people often are just in tears when his voice first appears on the podcast. And yes, I said appears, and I know this is an audio medium for most of you. The one and only TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Good to have you on your show. Yeah. Yeah, uh, remember to rate and review the show on Podchaser, and, uh, you know, you'll get a little extras with us and Reverend Pastor J.E. Kim. J.Y. Kim? Is it E or is it just Y? I got three <laughs> reading everything in Spanish. Just J is fine. <laughs> Why are you reading everything in Spanish? Uh, I'm trying to get better at it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So with that, uh, I also have a, another thing we do on the show. Before we get into the meat of it, after our intro, I, I like to do spiritual practice with everyone. And it, it's a practice of perfect unity because it's silliness. And it's impossible to not be in at least some unity. It, I think it's just impossible to be in complete discord when you're being a silly, as I like to be, with our silly question opener. Today's, would you rather be attacked by a gaggle of geese? Oh, yeah, that's right. I wrote this question because I wanted to say gaggle of geese or become a goose for an entire month. Um, it's just a simple would you rather one or the other tj how are you answering this uh do i can am I, would i still be able to pay my rent if i was a goose for a month sure okay yeah then i'm choosing to become a goose for a month geese are mean i'm not fighting a whole gaggle yeah i, I think the smart answer is to become a goose for a month assuming all of your bills and stuff will be fine i think that is a smart answer but no one's ever accused me of being a smart man at least not to my knowledge I just can't help but but want the challenge. You know, I just want to see if I could take a gaggle of geese. I'm not sure if I could do it, but I want to find out. I'm just assuming I'll survive the encounter. Might be a bad assumption, but hey, I'm, I'm going to go with fighting a gaggle of geese, basically. Yeah. 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 Jay, uh, would you rather be attacked by a gaggle of geese or become a goose for a month? Uh, I, I will take, you know, being attacked, to be honest with you. Man, nobody wants to be a goose? Uh, you don't want to fly? TJ, you silly goose. This seems Sorry. great. Yeah. I don't think it would be terrible, but you are forced to just kind of be in the nude for that month. That yeah, sounds less than pleasant. I guess. Yeah, they oh. seem comfy. Sure. I've yeah. never seen a cold goose. That's true, and goose feathers are comfy. Super comfy. So, Jay, one thing, (laughs) you know, for a real podcast, uh, one thing we found that helps engender unity, uh, at least amongst believers, is to hear one another's stories. Uh, Would you mind sharing, you know, just your story with us? Yeah. Um, thanks for asking. It's, it's not that exciting. (laughs) I, uh, I, I was born in Korea actually, but moved here to the States when I was really young, uh, about four and um, just moved with my mom, didn't know my dad. So it was just my mom and I, sort of immigrant Korean mother. Um, but we moved here to, to the Bay Area of California and I never left. So I've been here, you know, 40, almost 40 years now. Um, and I grew up in church and was at church all the time. My, my mom to this day is, you know, one of the most passionate followers of Jesus that I know. And, um, Grew up in church, was very much entrenched in the 90s sort of youth group subculture. Uh, but then when um, I went to college, I, I went through what is, you know, sadly now uh, a very common deconstruction of faith. 
season of my life eventually came back to faith came back to the church because of this uh guy small group that um these these guys at my previous church invited me to this monday night small group started going and you know really encountered jesus there uh, i think for the first time in a genuine way in my life and then they were all volunteering in the youth ministry um, at the church. So I was like, man, if they're doing it, I guess I'll do that too. So um, I started leading a, a seventh grade uh, boys small group. And um, yeah, I realized like, oh man, this is, you know, I love ministry. Uh, so that set me on a path to, to youth ministry and then church planting. And um, here we are 20 years later. So there you go. Yeah. I feel like we hear that a lot when people deconstruct and then they're like, oh, wow, this is completely different than what I thought it would be like to know God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I did want to ask a question about that um, just because of how you worded it. When you say deconstruct, do you mean leaving the faith or does that just happen to be with you? You left the faith because when I talk about my deconstruction, I didn't really leave the faith. I'm just going to intrigued what yeah. you mean by that exactly yeah for me it was it was walking away from the church and from you know historic orthodox christianity not like eastern yeah. orthodox but like historically true biblical you know christian faith yeah i walked away from all of that i think at the time i probably saw myself as an agnostic you know i, I had a sense that yeah. there was some divine reality out there but was under the impression that it certainly was not um, this whole, all the, the Jesus myth that I was told yeah. as a kid. So that was my season of deconstruction. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. I just, uh, I like to ask, cause I know sometimes people mean different things using the same term and it's just, I think it's helpful to just ask, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So what is it that you can tell us? I mean, every local church is unique in some way. So I was curious what you could tell us about your church that makes it unique, like what denomination it's from, the tradition, its location, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, on one hand, I would say every church is unique, just like just as every person is unique. You know, no two churches are the same. It's hard for me to pinpoint and say this one thing makes our church unique. Um, denominationally, we, we don't have a denominational affiliation. Our church has Baptist roots, but it's not a part of any denomination. So it's yeah. a non-denominational church. We're a part of a network of churches that has sort of a, a friendship and, and, you know, loose affiliation to one another. But yeah, not a part of a denomination. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. Nothing really stands out to me in terms of being unique other, other than the fact that we are where we are, you know, right in the heart of Silicon Valley. We're like seven, you know, seven minutes down the road from the big giant campus of apple and you know so oh, we yeah. have a lot of tech people who yeah, work no, that's here pretty, and, pretty cool yeah so yeah, yeah. that's actually a, what i was going to ask next actually what had, had to do with that i was wondering if you had any um insights or wisdom you've gained just being in that area ministering to people near silicon valley that you think people outside of your context might be able to benefit from oh gosh yeah i mean yeah, a lot of people in our church, because of where we are geographically, work in tech or they're tech adjacent. They're adjacent, you know, a spouse or a kid or a parent works in tech. Um, I will say, you know, something I see regularly in the, in the folks who are like building the stuff that is so pervasive in our lives 
you know, the closer they are to it, the more aware they are of their addictive properties, you know? So there's a real caution in terms of digital engagement here. That's interesting. You know, hopefully that's sort of a word to the wise, you know, when it comes (laughs) to just what our digital devices are doing to us. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like a, a lot of your movies that have like AI and it's usually the creators that are the first ones that are like, ah, actually, I think there's a red flag here, guys. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. It reminds me of one of my favorite tech jokes is about a cybersecurity guy. It's like all your tech savvy friends have like the smart home and the smart lights, but your cybersecurity friend, the only piece of electronics in his house is a printer and he has a gun next to it just in case he has to take the printer out. <laughs> actually my, my favorite joke like that was um i forget it was a super bowl commercial i forget what year but they were talking like comparing phones like oh my phone has all this and the one guy's like well, my phone has a security system watch try and take it and he takes his phone when he tries to get it he just chucks it at the guy <laughs> that was so funny hmm. yeah made me laugh it's cool though it's it's so interesting to me i feel like a lot of people see that kind of sector as largely atheist so it's cool to know there are churches in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yeah, lots of them. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many Christians work in tech. There's there yeah, there's quite there's quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like thing- uh, the guy at uh, our friend Pastor Will's church who worked on the um, the God particle stuff at uh, UNC mm. Chapel Hill. Just like, oh, mm. that's uh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Just casually got to go to CERN and yeah. see the super collider. It's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Not jealous. Yeah. And then hear Pastor Will preach the next day. I'm like, what? Yeah. So uh, there's one thing we like to do before we get into your book uh, to help our audience and ourselves get to know you a little bit better. And we call it the speed round. Uh, we like to a- we're going to ask a series of questions about what you believe. And there's two rules. Uh, you try to answer in a single sentence and we aren't allowed to ask you follow up questions. The second rule <laughs> is for Josh, really. And uh, it's fair. You can skip them if you can't answer it in a single sentence or if you just don't want to answer you can skip them all if you want. You just make the episode <laughs> okay. a lot shorter. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. So you ready? Mm. Yep. Uh, who or what is God? Uh, the first mover, the creator of all things. All right. What is salvation? God's gift to all who say yes to Jesus. What is the significance of baptism and the Eucharist? Oh, my gosh. One sentence. That's impossible. Skip. Uh, what authority does scripture have? Also skip. <laughs> this is like one sentence. This is impossible. What authority does tradition have? Skip. What are your views on destiny or predestination? Is the rule really one sentence? Yeah. It can be okay, a my re- it can be a very rudimentary sentence. Okay. My views are that I have views on both. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Can God change? If he wants to. Uh, what do you love about the Bible? Everything. What do you love about the church? Most things. <laughs> Most things. Uh, yeah, I like that. Which, if any, of the seven sacraments do you follow? Most of them. Most of them. <laughs> All right. You know, I'm surprised more people don't just do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it's one sentence. Game. Yeah, for I mean, me, like impossible. most of the questions are, aren't really one sentence answerable. Yeah. Somebody asks me who or what is God. I'm not answering that in a sentence. I mean, I would, but it would be a very vague sentence. Actually, I think I have. You, I, I think you have. On the show. I'm just like, uh, God, everything. But God is God. 
that's that's great fantastic speed round thank you so much for joining your trophy will be in the mail <laughs> perfect perfect yeah, yeah yeah that was great um so a bulk of today's episode we're going to be talking about your book of colossians and the 40-day study that you recently wrote um what can you tell us about your inspiration for writing this study yeah i mean i um after doing some work on on the history and the context, I realized much of what was happening with the early Christians in the city of Colossae in the first century. Um, I just saw so many parallels to, to some of the challenges we face to following Jesus today. Um, so that really, yeah, that really led to the, led to the work itself. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, do, do you think believers of other faiths could find your book helpful? Um, I mean, I, I think it depends. I think it depends on uh, one's openness to learning and one's, you know, depth of curiosity. I, I find I find it helpful to read outside my tradition. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that to everybody. You know, I think it could get confusing and complex if you don't have a sort of centeredness and a groundedness on your own faith. Um, so yeah, it's a tough question to, to answer. I think some would, I think many would not, you know, I, I wrote it and created the videos with Christians in mind for sure. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I'm allowed to follow up question, TJ. So we, we skipped during this beat around the question about the Bible's authority, but I'm just curious as far as like inerrancy, how do you feel about that with the Bible? Yeah. I mean, I think. When it comes to theological conversations, one of the real problems we have in a um, sort of post-enlightenment age is that we, we tend to look at things black and white. So you say a word like inerrant, and most people assume what that means is like literally without error. Um, but then it gets really mm -hmm. tricky and complex when you consider the fact that the Bible is written in three different languages. Mm -hmm. um, one that's essentially non-existent two yeah. uh that are that still exist but they're written in ancient forms of those languages across many cultures on the other side of the planet thousands of years ago <laughs> and um and yet when we say inerrant we just mean when i read the english translation of my bible it has zero errors well i would say yeah the scripture is inerrant in its original literary design and in its liter in its original um, writing and its original mm -hmm. form, but we have to understand we have, you know, so much translation and historical mm -hmm. sort of distance and cultural distance. We have to do the work. Um, so yes, I believe the scriptures are inerrant in their original design and literary intent, but that does not mean we should take a posture of just you know. The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. Well, what do you actually yeah. think the Bible actually says? Because there's a number of translations and what language and all of that. So yeah, what's well, like um, a vast majority of your Old Testament was written without vowels. Mm -hmm. You have any idea how like three consonants? How many words you can make with that if the vowels were different? We're right. guessing what those vowels were. What makes the most sense? I personally believe that God would preserve His message. But I, to say that there would be absolutely nothing that we guessed wrong along the way, I, you know, I'm, I wouldn't bet on it. But again, I think God would preserve it. Um, it's, it's definitely a tricky subject to me. The reason I ask those, a lot of people, when we're talking about like Bible studies, 
have a really hard time if they're like hardcore inerrancy reading a Bible study written from someone who's a little looser on that. And, you know, vice versa, people who don't believe in inerrancy find it difficult sometimes, right, to read a study guide from someone who's like, no, every single word is exactly completely true. You're following this or you're going to hell, you know, like, mm. so both sides find it difficult to kind of cross that line. When we're talking about study guides. So I was just kind of curious if one has to align with you on this thing, or do you think it's useful no matter where they fall on that? You mean with the study itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if they differ a little bit on their views on inerrancy, will that make the study more or less difficult for them, you think? Yeah, that's challenging to say. I mean, I do I, – I talk a lot about the context and the history of the city and what I think Paul, the Apostle Paul, the, the, the writer, what I think he intends to mean. Um, but generally, my posture is to – uh, present some ideas and invite people to engage. You know, I, I don't want to, I'm not interested in giving people pat answers. Um, I yeah. just want to provoke thinking. So hopefully it's helpful, you know, no matter yeah. what angle you're, you're coming at it yeah. from. I, th- no, I, I think like that. a lot of people just don't understand how far away we are from the context that most of the messages were written for. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost an unfathomable number for most people. Right. Right. Including me. Yeah. How many thousand years ago? That's absurd. Yeah. Two. <laughs> this, That's too many. <laughs> That's true. A thousand is a lot more than people, I think, realize. Yeah. Um, but that does kind of lead up to the other question is, how does the culture that um, that's going on with the Colossians, the book of Colossians, intersect with our culture today? Because you kind of mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. The city of Colossae, they were um, – it was a really diverse city. Like uh, – and, you know, it was really multi-ethnic. Um, it was a city where uh, sort of Orthodox Judaism flourished alongside some local religions, as well as the large pagan religions of the Roman Empire. So it was a really religious city, but a variety of religions. So they were the people who lived there were prone to what's called syncretism, which is mm-hmm. a word that just means like the fusing of various beliefs and practices from a diverse sort of, you know, a diversity of religious traditions. So it essentially became sort of like uh, uh, Chipotle of religion. You know, it's like, oh, a little bit of this from that tradition, a little bit of that, and then I'll just sort of concoct my own version of faith. And that was one of the things that really stood out to me. I, I think there's a lot of that happening in our culture today, which is very much a my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth sort of culture. Um, and I think there was a lot of that happening, not, not quite in the same way, you know, the ancient world was not nearly as autonomous and individualistic as our world is, but there was some form of that, you know, scholars call it the Colossian heresy. They're not quite sure what it was in great detail, but they, we do know that Paul is addressing Christians in Colossae who had somehow created and concocted their own sort of weird version of Christianity. And I think there's a lot of that happening in our world today. So um, for me, that was one of the strongest parallels. You know what I think is really funny, though? Like a a great modern example of syncretism is Mm. Skyrim. And I don't want (laughs) to... Is that a video game? Yeah, I don't want to get into it really hard because it's a bit out of our audience's depth, but... But I would love to know something. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a bunch of gods in Skyrim, and they all had their own separate worshippers, and then they kind of just coagulated into worshiping the divines, and it's a whole thing. Interesting. Huh. Okay, that's um, 
More on that on our other podcast, Systematic Geekology. Next year, actually, is our uh, year of yeah. religions. We're going to be discussing other religions from a Christian perspective within fandoms. And seems like it would be odd if we didn't include that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but when we're talking about the, the city of Colossae, um, I, I, what I find interesting is how today there is some truth and people have compounded it into maybe a similar similar heresy is what we're talking about with Colossians. Um what I'm, what I'm getting at is there is some truth that, yeah, I can learn something from a Buddhist text. That is true. Um, there is some truth in this idea that me and TJ could experience the exact same trauma and I could get over it the next day and it might take him months or vice versa. Like, yeah, we do experience things differently. Like, there are some truths there, but I feel like people compound those ideas and turn it into everyone has their own truth. And that is a different idea. Um could you get at why you think that idea is so dangerous to just say everyone has their own truth? And, um, and how does Colossians, the book of Colossians, address that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a whole larger, bigger conversation. I think we're, you know, when we say my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth, I think we're we're stretching, you know, we're pushing the limits of a word's elasticity at that point. Um, which is something we're prone to do quite a bit in our day and age with lots of things. Yes. Uh, by by its very definition, if something is true, then it has to be true for everybody. That's the definition of something being true. When we say my truth is my truth, I think we mean something else. It, it means that this is my preference or my opinion or whatever, but we slap on the word truth because we need a sense of finality to it. You know, We essentially don't want to engage um at an intellectually honest level i think that's a lot of times what's happening uh, in terms of how colossians addresses it gosh you know like paul is pretty relentless he makes it really clear um that jesus is at the center of all things you know there's this really beautiful it's called the christ poem you know in, in colossians mm -hmm. one it, paul does this a lot you know in philippians he, he does a similar thing he yeah. says the sun is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. And then Paul says, in Jesus, in him, all things mm -hmm. were created. And he's before all things and everything holds together in him. He's the head of the body, the church. So it's pretty clear that Jesus is at the center of all things, that he is the mm -hmm. one true king of the universe. And that's kind of a bold claim to make in the first century Roman world, you know, when Caesar was considered god yeah. essentially um so i mean the entire letter to the colossian christians i think addresses mm -hmm. that issue that you can sort of syncretistically create your own religion it's like no no no, no. jesus made it pretty clear in john 14 like that he's the mm -hmm. way he's the truth he's the life and no one gets to the father um except through him and i think that's you know a mm -hmm. much needed word for our day and age as well yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, just how like you talk about how we use words incorrectly a lot in today's culture. We try to like almost retcon words. Um, I, I think a lot of what happens is people, again, I, I keep going back to how people compound different ideas, but I think people have taken their experience and said, this experience of mine is true. You can't take it away from me. So this is my truth. Yeah. Um, I think that's sort of the line of thinking. And, and what's interesting is, is even though that's a modern thought, there's, there's a little bit of wisdom there, but hey, we can turn to the church particularly, and I'm not I'm not Wesleyan, I'm not Methodist, but I think the Wesleyan brothers did have some pretty solid ideas when they went to, here's how we de determine truth within our tradition, 
We look at experience because experience is valuable, but we also compound that with tradition, with scripture, with reasoning even. And, and I think it's important because if you take your experience alone, your mind can play tricks on you, your eyes play tricks on you, your experience is not truth. And um, I think that's a hard thing for a lot of people to wrap their minds around. And um, hopefully your book and maybe just reading Colossians can help people with some of that. Yeah. Yeah. So what does Colossians teach us about Jesus' sacrifice and what implications does it have on us personally and as a collective people of God? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, if you read Colossians and you can read the whole thing pretty quickly, it's not a long letter. Um, if you read it, it becomes abundantly clear that, uh, again, I, I've already said this, but Paul is making a pretty strong argument. Either Jesus is who he says he is. And if that's true, if he really is Lord, then we all bow in allegiance to him and our lives orbit around him. He's either that or none of it really matters. It can't be something in between. Um, so I think that's the overriding premise of the letter, you know, and it's hard. It's confrontational, um, especially, again, in an individualistic, autonomous culture. It's really hard to admit that we're not actually in control. But that's true. It's that's just reality. You know, C.S. Lewis has that wonderful quote where he says either Jesus was either the son of God or he was a madman or something worse than that. You know, and then he says you can shut him up for a fool. You could spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. And I think that's what Colossians is doing. You know, it's essentially drawing a line in the sand and saying, who do you, who do you say Jesus is? You have to make a decision. Because it's he either is Lord and that changes everything, or he isn't, and that changes everything, you know. And and I think that's the yeah. question before us. That's good. Yeah. So where can people go to find your book, Colossians: One Jesus, One People slash DVD? Oh gosh, anywhere, anywhere you buy books, probably, you know, Amazon or um, I have a little website, jkimthinks.com, and all of my work is there. So. Um, yeah, there you yeah. go. Isn't it so convenient to live in the information age? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scary also. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Jay, uh, I, I did just kind of wonder, this is more on the, um, what's on the spiritual side and more just on the behind the scenes side. I'm, I was curious, yeah. why why do you make it a 40 day study? Why not like do Colossians in a month? You know, that's like pretty normal yeah. or a chapter a week because, you know, there's four chapters of Colossians. Why why do you just fall on 40 days? It just kind of happened that way? Or? Yeah, no, that's a great question for the publisher. <laughs> I don't know. It's a series. <laughs> they have a series called 40 Days Through the Book. Oh, okay. And it's uh, 40 days through all these different New Testament New Testament gotcha. books. So yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure if it was like a like a Jesus did forty days and night, or there was like some spiritual meaning, or if it just yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't huh. know. We got to get a publisher on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So, it, is there anything you get excited about when people ask you about, or that you aren't asked about very often that you would like to be asked about? Oh gosh, what a question! Yeah, we're cheating. What do you want to be asked about the most? <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to think on that and get back to you. That is a great question, though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know in like Join us next time. A few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, with that, then, uh, one thing we do ask everybody before we get to the God moment or any of the outro or other stuff that we do on the show, we like to ask everybody 
If you had to provide a single tangible action, something that somebody could go do right now, someone listening could just stop the show and go do this. And whatever it is would help engender church unity or unity amongst all of Christians, you know, the church. What's one practical thing our listeners could go do this second? I don't know if you could go do it this second, but I would say, you know, embodying a posture of curiosity is what comes to mind. You know, mm. learning to ask the question, hey, tell me more rather than simply reacting to the, the thing you heard. Uh, I think that's the path. I think curiosity is the path. Hmm. Uh, that there's always more beneath it than yeah. you know your, our assumptions, basically. I like that. Yeah. It's also really good uh, advice for any of our, our married folk. If I would have done that last weekend, I might have saved myself some trouble. <laughs> yeah. Ask things. Don't yeah. assume things. Yeah. That's why I'm, yeah. I'm glad I'm, I grew up when I did because I'm very inundated to try and emulate Curious George. Uh, I got to know. You just keep asking the questions. Yeah. Yeah. Although that does get on uh, people's nerves when, when you work for Chipotle, because sometimes people just don't know. Like, okay, but I need to know, why are we called Chipotle? No, it's not sometimes. Uh, it's it's every time. Yeah, it's all the time. Yeah, because I'm just like, yeah, it's called Chipotle, but the main ingredient in most of the food is adobo. Why not call it adobo? <laughs> yeah. Well, a Chipotle anyway. is technically any kind of charred pepper. So what would be the repercussions <laughs> in the world if uh, – Everyone around us started being more curious and asking those questions. Oh gosh, yeah, I think I think we would have a lot more grace for one another. I think we would have our lives would be enriched far more than they are now because we would realize the the depth of stories all around us. Yeah, rather than living on assumptions. Yeah. All right. So real quick, uh were you able to think of that thing that you want to be asked about? No, I have not. That was not a lot of time. No, no I don't wasn't. know. We'll, no. Uh, we'll have to get to you and, and answer the question. So before yeah. we wrap up, uh, we, we like to ask everyone to share a moment where they saw God in their lives recently, whether that's a moment of worship or challenge, a curse. Uh, always make Josh start first because mm. I like to have a little more time to think. And I like to give our esteemed guest as much time as possible. So, <laughs> Josh, do you have a God moment for us today? Um, yeah, I um, this is this is going to be a little bit also of my geek recommendation. I'm just cheating and turning this to our other podcast too, apparently. But um, I I've really realized recently how much I just love literally every single thing Scotty Young has ever written. He's just maybe just a genius. I don't know. But I, I was reading some Scotty Young comics while I was out camping on uh, Cumberland Island, a place we go to a lot and I've talked about on the show before, I think. Um, my friend was taking a shower while I was doing this. And I was just at the campsite and I read one and I was like, you know what? I'm putting this down and just laying. I was in the hammock, like a big emo inu camp hammock, you know, whatever they're called. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just rested. And it was really crazy. You know, I, I've been blessed. You know, we kind of had a break from the podcast. I've been able to go to Orlando. I kind of went to North Carolina Comic Con, did all these really cool things recently. And that was the first time I really just rested, like just relaxed. You know, I slept, but there's a difference between resting and sleeping. And I was just resting and just kind of hearing the ocean and nature around me and just kind of realizing, oh, wait, yeah, there's that thing of like, you're supposed to rest in the Lord and just really kind of being challenged by the realization that I don't rest very often. So, yeah. Yeah. And Josh... Josh does not sleep very restfully, if you are wondering. 
That's also true. So. It's more like a chore. Like, oh, man, I have to sleep now. Yeah. And then my alarm for the earliest I think I could be up. Yeah. My body fights it. Yeah. Everything about my being hates the idea. So yeah. for me, uh, I'd say my God moment. Uh, my mom has been in the hospital recently. Uh, mm-hmm. Had a little scare, some upper GI tract bleeding. Uh, she is okay. She's fine. Things got a little scary there. But uh, as soon as she can stand up without her oxygen level going too low, she's out of there. So I'm thankful. Mm. Praise mm. God. That's great. Yeah, wow. And man, man. I don't want to dox myself, but that hospital is huge and not very navigable. The maps on those walls are <laughs> terrible. They give you no information except for where the fire extinguishers are. Hmm. Figure it out. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> also, was that a, that a letter kitty reference there at the end? A little. <laughs> so, Jay, uh, do you have a That's God awesome. moment for us today? Yeah, I mean, the most recent one that comes to mind, I, uh, you know, as we're recording this, it's uh, Tuesday, I preached a sermon on Sunday and then got an email. Um, actually, I ended with a passage in Colossians um, and then got an email from a woman who had been going through a really hard time and just needed um, to take a moment and, and breathe in the morning before coming to church. So she opened her Bible and uh, she read the same passage that I ended the ser- sermon with and uh, just sent an email and said, man, that was like an incredible moment where God just, con- you know, was affirming, hey, I'm with you kind of thing. And I just yeah. got that email today. So that's, that's awesome. the most recent one that comes to mind for me. Could you share what passage it was? Because now I just got yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Colossians 3. Um, Colossians 3, gosh, where uh, what's the actual um Sorry, I put you on the spot. No, no, it's okay. It's like verses. It's the middle of the. It's the middle of the chapter, but it's where Paul writes, "Hey, as God's chosen people, you know, holy, beloved people, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, you know, patience." It was that passage? That's what I closed with. And wait, wait. Uh, that's what we started she, with this this episode, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Colossians three twelve. Colossians three twelve yeah. through fourteen. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That is. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Man, what a God moment. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you so much for that. And please consider sharing the episode with a friend. You can share it with an enemy. Uh, share it with your cousins. Uh, well, I got cousins. And if not, send it to one of my cousins. I'll give you their info for free. Just ask. <laughs> uh, also, come hang out with us in our Discord server. It gets a little empty in there. And I like to have people to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you can check out the other shows in our network. We are part of the Enzyme Ministry Podcast Network. Um, this is my other show, Dummy for Theology. The other show, TJ and I both mentioned Systematic Geekology. Um, friend Christian has one, Let Nothing Move You. Brandon has My Seminary Life. There's a lot of good stuff over there. So check them out um, for some good Christian nerdy goodness. Fun. I don't know. Words. Yeah. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we'll be back with return guests. Russ Petrus and Elizabeth Donnelly of Catholic Women Preach to discuss systemic sexism in the church. After that, we'll have Dr. Tom Ord and Brandon Knight on to discuss differing opinions on the omniscience of God. Next, we'll be interviewing Pete Enns about differing opinions on the inerrancy of scripture and how Christians can work together even if they disagree on these issues, which is when I'll get on to Pete. Next few weeks. <laughs> I'm going to get on to Pete about missing theology beer camp. I didn't get to see him. Yeah. <laughs> Because he got sick. He's better now. 
And at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be on the show. He has no idea, though. So someone has to tell him. Yeah. Someone give him a hint. Something. I don't even know if he's technically (laughs) been invited. So I mean, I think technically, but from more guests than us. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a problem. Yeah. So thanks for listening and support us on Patreon to hear the rest of our segments. Thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. Again, you could always sponsor our show at patreon.com forward slash the Whole Church Podcast or on captivate.fm or on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave us a one-time tip through Captivate. Thank you for listening.